Let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 4, and we're going to receive an offering as, as we do that. We'll get right in. This morning's message actually um, within the Acts chapter 4 is going to be called All In. In fact, you know, if you think of All In, that's All In. Um, we're, and we're going to get to that in, in this message. But it's really about saying, you know what, I'm all in for the Lord. Uh, you know, it's, it's when you say, I'm not holding anything back. And that's what the God is calling. So we're going to see what happened with Peter and John, the disciples in the early days. And as we receive an offering, sometimes even just giving a, per, a percent, 10% is what a tithe is. Um, it feels like it's all in. But you know, last night I got to lead worship over at Foursquare Church. And, you know, somebody, the gentleman who was praying for the offering, he says, you know, don't look at it as that, that you're having to give up 10% of your income. Look at it that God is letting you keep 90%. You know, isn't that great? I mean, he's very generous. Amen. We're going to give to the Lord this morning, and we want to um, just pray that he will continue to bless the work that he wants to do. Father, as we give into the offering this morning, we do thank you for what you've started doing in the service. God, what you want to continue to do. Father, we pray for the offering that you would bless it. God, we desire to see people saved. God, we desire to be people set free and minister to. God, brokenness, um, healed and um, as we give into the offering that's one of the ways father is that we can continue ministering father in this community um, and throughout anywhere that you would connect our hearts with father even as we go to mexico in july god in guatemala father in uh, cuba and costa rica as we support jason friend and his ministries throughout south america god as we we um, ministered to uh minister in our finances to ministries like GCM that is in the former Soviet Union and, and in the uh, Muslim countries that they're ministering to, God. Throughout the world, we pray that you would establish your kingdom, God, that your voice would be heard in all the world, God, and you would draw many people to yourself. Bless this offering, God. Continue to establish your kingdom in our lives and in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Acts chapter 4 comes right after Acts chapter 3. What happened in Acts chapter 3? We might need to catch up a little bit in case you're, in case you're wondering where Acts, is, Acts chapter 4 is. But in Acts chapter 3, um, we saw Peter and John, they came in, they performed the miracle at the gate beautiful, if you recall, where there was the lame man, he was, um, he was uh, crippled, he was 40 years old, which is actually, we'll find that out in this chapter. He was 40 years old, he had been crippled from birth and they healed him and they go into the court and the man's jumping and leaping and praising God. All the people are seeing this. They're all getting excited and immediately the, uh, the officials, this, um, the Sadducees, they come and they begin to question what's going on. Peter preaches in chapter 3 a uh, Holy Spirit po- powered message to the people. And it's not a wimpy sermon. And he's going to preach a very similar sermon in just a few minutes here in chapter 4. Father, as we go into this, in the time of the word, I pray that you would let my words be yours. God, I pray that you would anoint the words that are spoken. God, we thank you for the anointed written word. And then I pray that you would help us to have ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. God, you would open up our hearts to receive. And you would challenge us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. 
And, and in verse 1, and it, it actually says there, the priests, the captain, the temple guard, and Sadducees came upon up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. You know, sometimes we have victories in our lives. Sometimes there's things going on. The enemy wants to come in immediately. He's not going to give you any time to rest. He's not going to give you any time. He wants to come in and thwart what is happening. And that's what's happening right here. They don't want Peter and John to continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people. So they're going to interrupt. They're going to confound. And that's what the enemy wants to do to us all the time. This big miracle has just been done. They're preaching the gospel. And remember that the gospel means good news. Whenever you think about that, the gospel simply means good news. And the fact that Jesus is the answer and you can have eternal life simply through repentance is good news. That is good news. Church, I think we need to keep reminding ourselves that the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life is good news. It's not bad news. The world wants you to think that it's bad news. The world wants you to think that it's controversial. The world wants you to think that we shouldn't preach in the name of Jesus. That is the gospel news, that it's Jesus. And um, and so the the, uh, Sadducees, the leaders, they come in during this victory speech, just like the enemy would want to come into our lives. And, And before we get any headway before we we have much victory before anything goes on the enemy wants to come in and speak to us and shake us up and stop us and see what let's let's continue to read here in chapter two or verse two so being greatly disturbed that they taught now peter and john weren't disturbed but the people were they were greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in jesus the resurrection from the dead now specifically the sadducees they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead so so contextually that's what one of the biggest reasons that they're they're upset they're also upset that they had just killed jesus and now they're preaching that jesus is alive and they're also preaching that they're the ones who killed him peter and john are preaching that the sadducees that the leaders that the the temple guard that they were the ones who killed jesus so this is not a great message and neither is to, to them. It's not a great message to the Sadducees, to the leaders. And either is the message that you're preaching all the time with your life. If you, when you're, and, and you've seen it, if you, you've seen it in conversations, and it's getting more and more evident that whenever you stand up for Jesus, there is controversy. Whenever you say something, in fact, I'm watching things happen, and it's actually very sad. There's a lot of uh, rising up of other religions and other belief systems, but I'm also watching Christians back off. And I'm, and I'm, and if, and if this is you, and and you're offended by this, I'm, I apologize that you're offended, but I'm not going to apologize that I'm about to say it. I see Christians who I know love the Lord, and when they're sending on Facebook and social media when somebody has a problem, they're now beginning to, some people are beginning to say things like, sending good vibes your way. I'm sorry, we're Christians. We don't believe in good vibes. We believe in prayer. We believe in Jesus Christ, the Almighty, who's the only answer for hope, not good vibes. But we are getting backed up so much that we don't want to say, hey, I'm praying for you. And we're beginning to say, hey, good vibes coming your way. Keep your vibes. I don't need your vibes. I need prayer. 
That's the only thing that's really good. You can love me. I'll take love too. I'll take care. You can give me, you know, good words and hang in there. But the vibes, no, those vibes aren't going out over the social network, over the internet. The prayer to Jesus Christ, prayer to God the Father for healing and for life is what Christians have to offer. But see, the reason we're doing that is because we say things like, I'm praying for you. And people actually go, I don't want prayer and don't pray and Jesus is bad and all of these things. And that's what the enemy is trying to come in. Because just as Peter and John, they had the truth. They had it. And they were, the enemy is coming to try to stifle us and to, and to waylay us. And so here in, verse, in, in uh, verse 3, it says that they laid the hands on Peter and John. They put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. They didn't even know what to do with these guys, but they just wanted to get them off. Sometimes the attacks come in to us, and, and, and it's just, they're, they're just crazy attacks. They're like, we don't even know what the purpose is because the enemy just wants to waylay you. He's going to do anything, and then the strategy is going to come, and that's what these guys did. They said, let's put them in jail. Let's just stop them now. And then we'll deal with this tomorrow. And so, however, now listen to this. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So as Peter and John are staying faithful and they're preaching the gospel, even as they're watching the people come to lay hands on them and put them into prison, they continue to preach the gospel. They get arrested. The attack comes. But because they were, Peter and John were faithful to preach the gospel, faithful with their lives, even knowing that they might end up, remember, their leader was just killed not just put in jail he was killed and they continue to go in more people got saved and the amount of men that came to the Lord was about 5,000 that word is men it's not people and so likely uh, what we're seeing is 5,000 men plus women and children the church is growing and it's under persecution and the church today needs to grow and it's under persecution Sometimes the reward is worth the risk. And when we're talking about what God calls you to do, the reward is always worth the risk. When God calls you to be faithful and to do whatever it is that he's calling you to do and to step out in faith, we need to understand that there is a risk. Bad things might happen. They're happening to believers all over the world. Every day, somebody dies for their faith in the world. Very few of them are dying in this nation. But the times could change. We, 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 we see just such a, an upheaval. But what will we do? Will we be faithful? Or will we say, well, now that's getting kind of rough. I think I'm just going to back off and just keep sending people good vibes. No, I, we need to step in. And, and you know, I, I'm not into promoting poker. But, but when I think of all in, that's, that's, that's that picture. And, and why, does a, why does a poker player put it all in? Because they know. They really have a strong faith. This is going to come out. I, I'm trusting everything. in what, And we put our full faith and trust in God, and we say, I'm going to put my life, my reputation on the line for you. And that's what he's wanting us to do. The reward is worth the risk. We see what happens here. 
um, as we, we're going to go on in chapter 4. Verse 5, it says, It came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as, and it gives this list of people, Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. This is the great Sanhedrin. These are leaders. They're meeting. Actually, the real, if you're if they want the history side, the real high priest at this time is Caiaphas. Annas was the high priest in Jerusalem from 6 AD until 15 AD. And yet you keep seeing his name. He was there. He was the first one that Jesus went to in the trial was Annas. And you go, well, and it keeps calling him the high priest. He wasn't actually the high priest, but he had so much um, authority and so much with the people. You know, people, he had, he had I, can't, I still can't think of the word. The, the people respect him. They look to him as a leader, even though Caiaphas, who was actually his son-in-law, was the high priest. So they have all these, uh, the, the people here, and this is who John and Peter are going to be in front of. John and Alexander in there, we don't really know who they are, so don't worry about it. Um, the, 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 the critics, the commentators, they're like, well, we're not sure who these people were. Could have been this guy, could have been that guy. Um, they were definitely leaders in, in the church. What's cool, though, is, you see this. Why, why are these names written there? Because the readers knew who they were. The readers knew who they were. If you're going to tell a good lie, one of the good ways to tell a lie that people can't confirm is to tell people, make up names of people you don't know. Right? Because if I tell you a lie and I include people that you know that you're going to go ask them, it's like really easy to go confirm that. And so, so when they're writing the Bible, they're saying, you know, these people were there. These are real people and all this thing. This is what was happening. Okay, and so we see that in verse 5. Verse 7, when they asked, they had set them in the midst. They asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? There's a lot of people who who are professing atheists. And some of them are angry atheists. I don't understand an angry atheist. It makes no sense to me. You know, when I hit, you know, 16 years old and stopped believing in the tooth fairy... Now, when I stopped believing in the tooth fairy, I wasn't mad at the tooth fairy for not existing. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, angry atheists. But, but they're, and it's interesting that, that some of these angry atheists or angry even agnostics or angry people about Christianity in general, they want you to stop doing what you're doing in the name of Jesus. But they don't want you to stop doing what you're doing. You know, almost every hospital, I mean, the majority of hospitals that were founded were founded as Christian hospitals. Many universities, especially the early universities, they were all Christian colleges and universities. I know people that are nurses, doctors, firefighters. They went into those fields to help people because they were a Christian. I know people that drive down the street and they pick up a hitchhiker because they're a Christian. I know people who donate clothes to to people who need clothes and donate water to people because they are Christians. You know, the world that's angry at, at you as Christians and wants you to shut up, they don't want you to stop doing what you're doing. They want you to stop doing it in the name that you're doing it. And we're listening too often. We're listening. And now this is the question that they're asking them, by what name, by what power or by what name have you done this? They weren't mad that the guy got healed. They're mad and worried that it was in the name of Jesus. Why? Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. 
in heaven and on earth. He is the only way. He is the only truth. He is our salvation. And that's what the enemy wants to silence in the church. But we need to continue to press in, even even as Peter does here in verse 8. It says, Then Peter, I want you to pay special attention to this part right here, filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, before we go on and talk about what he says to them, it's so important for us to know that Peter was full of the Holy Spirit. Church, if we're going to go out and be lights for Christ, and we're going to go all in, and we're going to put our reputations or our lives on the line, you better be doing it full of the Holy Spirit and not full of the Spirit of the world. Just because you're saved doesn't mean that you are full of the Holy Spirit. See, I believe you can be saved but be kind of tainted by the world and not hearing from God and not walking in the power of God. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We need to be walking away from the things of the world, going all into into what he has for us. And Peter, being full of the Holy Spirit, he says to them, rulers and people and elders of Israel, he's talking to everyone. If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Let it be known to you it was by good vibes. I mean, he, he could have backed off. He could have just said, you know, we just prayed to God and he's healed. And they would have said, oh, great. God, I like God. God's okay. And that's what most people say today. God's okay. Not Jesus, but God. Right? That's where the stumbling block comes. Peter could have said, you know, we prayed. God answered our prayer and he's healed. And they could have gotten away, and that would have been much cleaner for Peter. But he says, let it be known to you that by the name of Jesus Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. I think we know that, but we might forget it sometimes. And his middle name does not start with H. Jesus Christ, Christ is Messiah. To us, we go, huh? If you're Jewish and somebody says Messiah, they go, huh? Messiah? There's one Messiah coming. One. And those who didn't believe that it was Jesus take offense that you would say it's anybody. Jesus, the Messiah of Nazareth. He's saying, listen, it's, it's not just a guy named Jesus. It is the one who is from Nazareth whom you crucified. That's the point of the whole name. Whom you crucified. It's just getting worse and worse. I mean, they are just digging a hole of of not being able to get out of this. So, you know, we're going to preach in Jesus. He is the Messiah. He's the one you, you crucified. You did it. And God raised him from the dead. And by him, this man stands here before you whole. And he goes on to preach. He says, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders. Any of you passive-aggressive people out there? I'm one of them. I'm working on it. It's a horrible way to live. We've got to stop being passive-aggressive. If that's you, you pray for boldness. Say, God, I want to become more, more forthright. Passive-aggressive people would have said, you know, Jesus, he was the stone that the builders rejected. And if anyone in here was that type of a person who might have possibly rejected Christ, right, that's a passive-aggressive approach. We're real soft, and we kind of give mites and maybes, and perhaps it was somebody who was in this room and not to be named. But Peter says, you, builders, rejected. He's all in. 
And we might say he's all insane. This is, I mean, he is, he's, he's pushing his luck. Thank God he's not operating on luck. See, this isn't about luck. It's not about good vibes. It's about trusting God, trusting Christ to lead us and to be there. So he, he's preaching this message. He says, he is the chief cornerstone. And then he says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Church, do we hear that? Do we believe that? And do we preach that? Well, I had a friend, and he was really a good guy, and he, he gave a lot, and he served a lot, and, and I, don't, I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but he was just such a nice guy, and he died. Will he go to heaven? You know, you know he was a good guy. God knows his heart. That is the problem. God knows his heart. God knows my heart. That's the problem. The fact that God knows our hearts should sometimes scare the bejeebers out of us. And we, we say it kind of like, oh, yeah, well, God knows my heart. Yeah. Is that a good thing? And we even try to fool our own hearts. You ever do that? I've done that. That's really funny when you're trying to fool your, you know, you're almost walking through this, controversy, this conversation with yourself, trying to justify the things that you're thinking or doing. And you're like, I'm trying to fool myself right now. What a waste of time. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Go to verse 13. We're just, we're just going along. Now this, these next two verses are pretty, pretty cool. He's preaching this sermon. Um, before we go to 13, you know, he's preaching this sermon. Is it similar to a, any sermons that you hear preached today? Think about the, the sermon pre- he's preaching. And I'm not even just talking about in the church. I'm talking about the sermons that you live and that you preach with your life and your words on a daily basis. And the sermons that I preach with my life and my words outside of this place, not just in the church. It's bad enough that in the church I don't even hear a lot of sermons that are talking strong enough about that Jesus is the only way. It's a lot of, there's, there's probably too much feel-good, self-help sermons out there. And, and those, that's, a, that's an important thing. God wants us to understand who we are in Him, but the truth has to be preached. But are we, are we preaching these sermons ourselves with our words and with our life? That Jesus Christ saved me, sanctified me, healed me, pulled me out of the miry clay, set my feet on the solid rock so I can live and look just like everyone else in the world. Is that the sermon we want to preach? Yeah, we're... We should be convicted. And conviction is a good thing. And there's, there's good-meaning people in this room who if it gets too heavy, they're going to want to say things like, yeah, but God loves me. You're right, He does. He loves you so much that He wants to make you uncomfortable enough to follow Him all the way. Think of a, a Y in the road. And they're really close at the beginning and your son is going to go on a bike ride, and you know that down this road is some bad stuff, maybe a cliff or dangerous people. And down this road is where the family reunion is, and, and you, he wants to ride the bike, and he gets on this. He starts rattling down that road, and you're like, well, you're close enough, son. It's pretty close to the other road. No. You say, stop. He says, but I'm going in the right direction. I saw them all go down this direction. Well, kind of, but you're off, son. 
You need to get back onto the right road. Verse 13. So when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and I mean, come on, really? These guys are bold. You ever been with somebody who's maybe standing up for something and, and you're like, oh man, I mean, inside you're dying. You're afraid for them. You're afraid for yourself. They're standing up and they're being bold. Maybe, maybe they stood up for somebody who's being uh, bullied or something. And you're watching them and you're like, oh my goodness. And you're like, does anyone ever feel that? I've, I, I can actually feel the thing in my heart when that, like there's a confrontation about to happen and you're like, oh, and some of you, you if you're like me, you might want to, your, your tendency would be to try to kind of calm it down and, well, you know, it's all okay. Peter and John are bold and I'm sure the people around are going, they're talking to the Sanhedrin. They're talking to the people that can arrest them and kill them. And I'm sure the Sanhedrin is going, are you talking to me? Are you, really? So that's kind of sometimes what I get with my kids when they start talking back to me. I look at them and go, are you talking back to me? <laughs> and they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men. I don't know what that, how they did that. There's something about them, you know, probably just their dress because you, you, they would dress for social status. And they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. These untrained, ordinary men who have this crazy amount of boldness and the one thing that they really realize, these guys have been with Jesus. That's a testimony I want in my life. That people would look and they would see something so different, so crazy, so contrary to the world's ways, and they would go, man, that guy's spent time with Jesus. You know, I, I don't want them to say, oh, that, that guy's a pastor. That guy goes to church. I want them to take notice that I've actually been with Jesus. I guess I have to spend some time with Jesus in order for that to happen. I'll have to think about that one. Now, it says, uh, And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Nothing against it. Uh, in, in the NIV, anyone got the NIV? Doesn't it say but? So here's, the, here, here's the, the, the picture on that. So they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So part of it's like, wow, these men have been with Jesus. But part of it's like, these guys are part of Jesus. We need to get rid of them. And that's, that's what's happening to Christianity today. Is, is people, are no, when they do notice that you are part of, they, they want to silence you and get rid of you. But since they had, since the healed man was standing there right in the midst they couldn't do anything about it because the fruit of the person's life was so noticeable that they realized there was nothing they could do about it. How is your fruit? Do you have fruit in your life that even though people are upset with you, they're going, but you can't, ta- you can't say anything because look at what's happened in their life. 
That should be that thing of they were once like this and now they're set free. They used to do drugs and now they were miraculously set free. They used to be angry and now they have love. They used to, but now. This is the fruit that should be happening in our lives that when people would say, yeah, this whole Jesus thing, but somebody would go up to them and say, yeah, but you knew them before. You would realize something happened in their life. And we can't talk about that. You know, they're, they're helping people so much and they're, they're serving the poor and they're doing these things and they're, and they're helping other people to get off drugs. What are we really going to say and do about it? Yeah, we don't like that they're talking about Jesus, but we can't really do a whole lot because the fruit of their life is so noticeable. God, let it be. Let it be that our fruit, that our life lines up so much that people go, yeah, you know, I don't really like this Jesus, but I tell you, there's something different and it becomes that witness. So they kick him out. Go out and they confer and, and, they, and this is this, this question. We'll just kind of go through this little kind of quick and they're, what do we do? What do we do? And this is where Gamaliel uh, comes up who actually, Paul the Apostle sat under Gamaliel and, and he gives that, that, that uh, proof. He says, listen, in the past, this guy rose up he died, it went away. This guy rose up, he died, it went away. If, if this is of not of God, then it will all go away. But if this is of God, nothing we can do will stop it. And so the, the advice sounded good to just leave him alone. They flogged him anyways. They flogged him. That doesn't sound fun. I've never had a flogging. Actually, my brother probably flogged me before, but <laughs> not Gary, none of the other ones. So they flogged them, told them to no longer speak in this name, and they let him go. That's pretty good. Then you would think he would leave well enough alone, verse 20. It says, Peter and John, uh, verse 18, they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if this is, this that does say Peter and John. So I was kind of thinking maybe John was in there going, Peter, shh. You know, I mean, we preached to them, somebody's healed, they arrested us, they flogged us, they're going to let us go now. You don't need to, like, rub salt into the wound. But just to be clear, Peter opens up his mouth. Peter and John open up their mouths one more time and say, listen, whether it's right to obey God or you, you judge. You know, it's like what they, they didn't want them, Peter and John did not want the Sanhedrin, the leaders, to think that they had won. They're bold. We cannot... But speak the things which we have seen and heard. Lord, let it be in us that we cannot help but speaking the truth. We want to be all in. They further threatened them. They let them go. Found no way of punishing them. Anyways, verse 23. So they're, they're free now. So being let go. I think an average response would be, I think we should move. You know, let's go somewhere else. They go, now this is, this is important, I love this. It says, being let go, they went to their own 
their own. If you got the New King James, companions is italicized. Here's a little, here's a little Bible reading uh, hint or trick for you. When you see a word that's italicized, it wasn't in the original Greek text. That's why it's in italics. It's assumed, they're kind of giving you a filler word to say that's kind of an extra word. Um, it was, and, and maybe they found it in one version or another. Usually it wasn't there at all. So like in my version, companions is, is italicized. And so it really would have read originally in the Greek, they went to their own. And I think that's a better translation. And, wh- and here's why I believe it's a better translation. They're all Jews. They were just at the Jewish temple. They were talking to the Jewish Sanhedrin. They're getting, you know, they're, they're getting, I mean, this is, they're all part of the same people. They're, they're not, the, these aren't the Gentiles or the Greeks or anyone else. They're Jews talking to other Jews. And it says that, the Christ, that, that Peter and John, they're not Christians yet. Remember, that's going to happen later in Acts. Um, they're of the way right now. They went to their own. You know, you can be part of this community. You can be a Californian, you can be an American, you can be anything you want to be and anything you identify with. But as a Christian, we're separate. There's something that makes us different. And Peter and John knew where to go. They went to their own. Because even in the midst of living in the community, living in the the culture, living in the nation of Israel, which was extremely important to people, and still is, that's why we get so up in arms when people are stomping on the flag. And I do, and I think most of you in here do too. Why? Because that national identity is so important to us, and yet they still say they went to their own. They needed encouragement. They needed love. They needed to report what was going on, and they knew that the place that they really belonged was with other believers. Church, we live in the world all the time. We work out there, but we need to understand that this is the family of God. And this is where you're going to find acceptance and love, and it should be the place that we find it at least. They went to their own, and they reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them, and then when they heard that, they raised their voice to God. And with one accord said, and I want to talk about this prayer just a little bit, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. If you're reading another version, it probably says Sovereign Lord. That's like you are master of everything. It's just an emphasis. The word in the, um, in the Greek is just one word. And so, but, but Lord, it's, 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 a, it's a different Lord to say like master of everything. You are God. You made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in He's giving, as we did in, the, in worship today, giving praise, giving glory, giving acknowledgement to God. The prayer starts out here, here, you know, a lot of us would be going, God, where were you? I just put in prison, flogged and, and ridiculed. Where were you? That's not their prayer. Their prayer was, God, you're God. You're the master of everything. You created everything. I'm going to put this in the right perspective. You are my God. You made the sea. You made everything. You made everything by the mouth of your servant. And they connected what happened in the past. David had said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. They're realizing they are part of this and that the the world is not going to love them. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. Now stop. 
before we go on. This is an amazing part. Bad things happen to us and we're thinking, oh, God's out of control and things are so bad. He goes down and he lists. He says, Pontius Pilate, they got together. They plotted against you and they killed you. And of course, they're, they're still so, so sad of, of all these things. I'm sure they'd rather have Jesus walking with them. And he said, but they said, uh, the, the leaders were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. He's going, they only did what you purposed to do. Is that how we pray? God, this really bad thing happened, and that thing is out of your control, and I don't know what's going on, God, and I just wish you'd fix it. And they're going, God, this really bad thing happened, and you purposed to do it the whole time. Help me to, in other words, help me to see your will. Help me to see the things that you really want to do and stop moaning and whining. Now, Lord, now, so he, he, he's given all the glory to God. Now, Lord, look on their threats and keep us safe. Is that what it says? Are you reading along? It didn't say keep us safe. <laughs> That's my prayer. God, keep us safe. We're going to stay in the house. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. We're not hiding. We're not going to hide it under a bushel. No, we're going to let it shine. But we need boldness. Why do they need boldness? Because they're probably a little afraid. There's a real thing of fear, and they know that the other people, but he says, no, God, give us boldness that we will proclaim, we will proclaim your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. God, I pray that we have a nice service in church today. Can we, ch- let's change that. God, I pray that you would heal somebody today. Stretch out your hand and do a miracle today. Give us boldness that when we go out to lunch, we might witness to the waitress or waiter. When we go to work on Monday, that we'll share our faith. Give us boldness. Let miracles, healing be done. Amen. That's what I want. Whoo! And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, this next little passage is, is kind of a whole other message, but I'm just going to talk, talk about it because it goes in with this. It says, The multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And there's a whole message in this. But what I want to see, this is with great power, power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection. Great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. They laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each one as they had need. There was such a change in their lives and they were so all in that they weren't even holding back their possessions. They were saying, listen, I'm in. And if I have to sell something that I own to further the gospel, to take care of Christians, I'm all in. That's what God is looking for today. And as the days grow darker, we need to make sure that we're understanding He wants us to be all in. He doesn't want half-hearted living. He, he, you know, he doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He wants us to be all in. See, by the end of this message, you're going to remember one thing about this message. All in. And then we're going to have to look at ourselves and say, am I all in? 
And that's, that's, a, that's a fight that you're going to have to go through between you and God. I encourage you really strongly to let God win. But wrestle it out with Him. Search the Scriptures. See if, if, if He wants us to live half-heartedly or not. See if the, the, the definition of a Christian is blasé, blasé. And if you find it, you know, come. Let me know because I tell you, it would be a lot easier. <laughs> but I think he's, he's, he's wanting us. See, easier temporarily, but not easier eternally. See, he, he knows the end. He knows the prize. And he wants us to follow him. And he wants us to trust him and go all in. The Bible says that the the glory of what's to come, nothing can compare to the glory that's to come. Heaven is waiting for us. And so as we, we, in faith, say, God, I'm going to give you everything. He doesn't necessarily take it all away from you. It's kind of like on hold. And you're saying you can do whatever you want. And, you know, you don't have to go out and sell your boat, necessarily. You don't have to go sell your, your car, necessarily. But, but he's saying, will you hold it loosely and, and let it be available to me? And will you give it if I ask? That's a hard, hard thing he might ask. So Lord, we pray for boldness this morning. To live for you, to preach your word, to be like the early church. Christianity did not last because Christians were weak and half-hearted, but because they were all in God. We are the most blessed, prosperous people in the world, and what you spoke about us is true. It's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to inherit eternal life. God, I finally realized that we're the rich people. God, and I ask that you would help us to hold our wealth loosely and give it to you. Wealth of time, of resources, finances. God, I pray that we would give our lives to you and hold nothing back. And Lord, I know that you'll speak to each and every one in here on the, uh, in a personal level of what it is that maybe you're asking of them, as you do to me pray that you give us boldness to step out in faith and to to be all in and then lord i pray that we would see your glory and see your hand moving people saved set free because we know that you don't ask for our lives just to to be mean but because you have a plan and you desire the lost to be saved god i i would pray that the holy spirit would continue to speak to us individually today and i would curse the enemy who would come in and try to bring condemnation or any anything else that was not in the spirit of God in this message we thank you that you love us it started out with love God you love us and thank you for your love be with us today as we as we go from here and uh and we thank you in Jesus name amen amen, amen.